0: And to help us in our journey this evening. We're very honored to welcome to our show April Miller, who has worked on various national research projects focusing on mood disorders, suicidal behavior in youth, and the development of protective factors for youth at risk, and who is the founding and current executive director of the Sky Center, New Mexico Suicide Intervention Project. April, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. So. How does the Sky Centre address the issue of youth suicide in our community? What's unique about your model?
1: I think there are a lot of unique things. One of the things that we do is we really try to gather everyone who cares about a young person. We do not see kids alone for the most part. We see them with their grandfather, with their close best friend, of course with parents, siblings. We feel very strongly that youth suicide is not something that we want young people to think they're dealing with by themselves. We know there are a full range of issues that contribute to that level of vulnerability. So we really gather people together. Sometimes we have many generations together. I like to say on the phone, if dad calls up and says, I'm worried about my son, he spends a lot of time in the bedroom. I like to say, bring everyone who cares about him, Mm. because we know that the more arms around a young person who's struggling, the more support they're going to get. And those are folks that care and will be there for the long haul. Whereas mental health professionals, maybe not so much in terms of the long haul. So that's one thing we do. Um, we also have a model that really f- focuses on strength and diversity and helping young people develop the kind of skills that they might need to manage today's challenges, which are many.
0: What, I mean, of course, there are loads of challenges today. Can you name some that, that seem to be really present in some of the young people that you see?
1: One of the things that we see a lot is just the disconnection. And when I say disconnection, I mean like disconnected from their extended family, from people who would care and love them, often disconnected from their school community. Of course, that got amplified with the pandemic. Some of the extra pieces of school sports, being involved in clubs, just maybe having a favorite teacher that you go and hang out in their room for lunch. All of that got interrupted in a very devastating way really. So social connection is a really important thing. A sense of I belong. Mm -hmm. I'm important. If I didn't show up tomorrow, someone would miss me. Those are really significant um, pieces for all of us, but really, especially during the adolescent years, when you're trying to sort of make your place in community. So, those are really important pieces around, you know, faith communities. A lot of kids used to have a lot of identity around that. Those are the kinds of connections that we're trying to rebuild for young people in their lives.
0: It's it's fascinating to hear you, to hear you share this idea of uh, of validation in presence. Yes. Because then the pandemic, social media, other things that disconnect this idea of who would miss me tomorrow if you're so disconnected from other people you can't you don't have that message reinforced.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: What can we do in society to help with that then? What what are the what are the ways to help connect people or to remind young adults that that they are valued that they are important?
1: I think there are a lot of ways I mean one thing that we're really talking about a lot at the Sky Center is that youth suicide we want to move that away from a young person feeling they're responsible for the fact that this is something they're struggling with and more importantly responsible for for finding their way out of this. So we are really encouraging parents. If you're worried about your youngster, rather than sending them off to therapy, come to therapy with them. Let them know that you're going to be part of the solution. We're not sure what the solution's going to look like, but that's a, I think a really important piece. Definitely. Um, having their name, I mean, I know it sounds simple, having a name tag if they're involved in clubs or faith communities. There is something about, or civic communities in any way, having your name said by somebody who's welcoming you is a really important, just small piece that we can do to sort of help kids feel, I belong here, this is my place. I think those are really important pieces. So that's one of our main, um, basically I would say life skills, we are talking to kids and families, how do you develop rituals in your family home? How do young people know what their family values are? Can those be spoken about? Can we talk about those out loud? Those are just ways that kids feel like we are the, whatever the name might be for that family. Um, the same, you know, we see that we see aspects of that in school sports, mm-hmm. you know, a sense of connection around values or goals. We're trying to talk to families a lot about that at the Sky Center every night.
0: Is, are there sometimes challenges when the family values are what challenged the young the young adult themselves? Absolutely. How do we how do you help with that?
1: Well, it's one of the reasons that we are really, um, we are, you know, simultaneously at the Sky Center, we are training about 12 graduate students every year. So we're basically building the workforce in behavioral health for our community. And we Mm -hmm. are talking to to graduate students, if you really care about this young person, you're going to have to find a way to connect with their dad, with their mother, because we know that if we can practice together, Something like, kid is failing in math. We have the family together. So we might say to dad, do you have any ideas? If you're in ninth grade and you're failing math, what can can you do? So basically, really taking problem solving and turning it into a family activity. Like what are the three things that this child might do if they're failing in math? And let's do the pros and cons of each of those ideas. Which one do you think might work best for your kid? And really engage the whole family. That's sort of what we're talking about when we're talking about developing inner and outer life skills. So that's everything from problem-solving skills. How do you manage relationships when there's been a rupture, a -hmm. conflict? How do you get back together after you've had a disagreement? Those are actual skills that people can practice you know, to talk about their feelings, apologize, remedy things. So we're doing. That's why we so much want the larger circle around youngsters who are struggling with that. It's hard to practice repairing a relationship if you're by yourself.
0: <laughs> and I love the focus that you have of of saying they're not responsible. Yes, and, and that's not a patronizing way. It's just it, it's a lot to address. And you know, I've spoken in my community when I was a teenager and struggled very profoundly with certain life issues and how I was feeling and and I was able to go to a school teacher and share it and they were able to help me through it. And I actually years later got in touch with that teacher to say, I think you saved my life. Beautiful. And and but that was because they showed me that I wasn't it wasn't my fault I was in this place. Yes. And I'm not I didn't have the skills to help me get out of that place. So then I didn't end up going to a place of despair. Yes. So I, I love the way that you're focusing on this. You're not responsible as in it's not your fault. And it's also it's, you're, you're not going to be able to bring yourself out of this yourself necessarily necessarily. You know the people who love you around you can help support you in that
1: absolutely, and you know we 're also taking a broad look at some of the social justice issues that contribute to enhancing mental health and i mean make in, in you know increasing the vulnerability for young people if there 's poverty and if your parents are working at night shift and two jobs and you don 't have the supervision for school homework and various other place things those again are not individual issues, those are our community issues. And we really see that, yes, New Mexico is high on the CDC list for young people who die by suicide. We really see this as a community issue, and we need to come up with community solutions.
0: So especially during the pandemic, we've, we've heard a lot about increasing mental health crisis, the surge in needs. What are you at the Sky Center seeing locally Especially in Santa Fe and in New Mexico, because if this is a communal problem, the first thing we need to do is say, what's happening? What, what's actually existing here? What, what's the challenge here?
1: Yes, definitely kind of an unprecedented um, concern of anxiety. So, I mean, all of us as adults have been anxious, you know, wanting to protect ourselves and our loved ones from getting sick, et cetera. For young people, wow, has that been difficult. You know, there's a sense that if I kind of did my typical 15-year-old thing and went to see my best friend and then I heard they got sick, did I make my grandmother sick by that behavior? I mean, it just goes, so a lot of typical sort of Adolescent behavior really got scrutinized in a way that intensified anxiety. Mm-hmm. There was fear. There was worry. There was also a lot of anxiety because so much of relationships were navigated on social media, and you posted something that you thought was pretty fun, and nobody liked it. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of went to bed that night feeling really uncomfortable and embarrassed, et cetera. So a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot of anxiety. We're seeing a lot of difficulty returning to school. Some kids got accustomed to being home, and parents are struggling with school refusal, truancy, difficulty getting back into the routine of getting up and engaging in the world you know, very early in the morning for most teenagers. So we're seeing a lot of challenges around that as well. And, of course, the economic impact that it had on many of our families it's difficult when your parents are really, really stressed about money Mm. to not feel that burden yourself and also feel that there's not much you can do about it. So there's, I think, uh, and, you know, all of that and then much more as well. Yeah.
0: We have to take a break. Before we do, I want to make sure that anyone who's listening to the show knows how to contact the Sky Center for support. So can you share the best way for someone to contact the Sky Center before we take our break?
1: The phone number is 505-473-6191. And we have folks who can answer the phone in English or in Spanish and um, provide an intake service for you.
0: We're going to take a break you're listening to soul searching on ksfr with rabbi neil amswich from temple Beth shalom my guest this evening is april miller founding and current executive director of the sky center of new mexico suicide intervention project and we'll be back after this break listening to soul searching with rabbi neil amswich from temple Beth shalom in santa fe my guest this evening april miller the founding and current executive director of the sky center of new mexico suicidal intervention project and we've been hearing from you at the first half of our show about the the needs um, and part of your approach in supporting um, young people who are who are clearly struggling tell us about the 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 how are your staff holding up as they as, as they see this increased needs that we spoke about before the before the, the break? How are they holding up? How are you holding up in all this?
1: <laughs> I would say in some way at the Sky Center, we had unknowingly been preparing for the pandemic in terms of really taking care of ourselves. We value um time away, time off, spending time with each other, debriefing, talking about some of the situations that we might have run into that evening. We spend a lot of time checking in with each other, basically making sure that we're practicing the wellness model that we're trying to share with young people and um, their families. So that's everything from being out in nature, exercise, a mindful practice of some sort, something to help us pause. For some people, that's meditation, prayer, some people are just sitting quietly. We, we, in real time, practice all of that at the Sky Center. We start our staff meetings with silence, we end them with poetry. Hmm. It matters to us that we bring in the joy and pleasure because we know that we are vulnerable to vicarious trauma. We see some of the most challenging and saddest situations in our community. And we know that if we're going to temporarily lend our own light, we like to say, to families struggling, we need to keep, make sure our own cup is full. So we do a lot of conversation about this. When we're training our graduate students, we take time. They sit for an hour a week um, in what we call cultivating connections. One of our staff members, Aaron Duhal, runs that. Where it's meditation, it's a whole range of ways to keep your own cup full. What we're interested in is helping folks stay for the long haul and um, protect themselves from another contagious thing, which is the burnout in the field for healthcare providers, mental health care workers. We pay a lot of attention to it.
0: One of the questions I want to ask is about what should people do if they're concerned about a young person? But I think there's a question that comes before that, which is, what might be some of the things to look out for that might lead someone to be concerned? Because many of us, clergy, you know, mental health professionals, encounter people who say, I, I wish I'd have realized that they were doing this and they were doing this, and maybe that was a sign of depression or, or anxiety or trauma. So what are the signs that people should look out for?
1: It's complicated because teen adolescent years sometimes have lots of moods up and down. Relationships fall apart. It feels like the end of the world. I mean, all of that is normal teenage years. So it's difficult for parents to know, what am I seeing and when should I be concerned? Parents and other adults who are involved with young people. We kind of have this almost like a CPR model that we teach even as young as 7th and 8th graders. We run the peer helping peer programs in all of our middle schools in town. So we're teaching young people how to look out for their peers. And the first step is pay attention, trust yourself. If that child or young person seems a little more sad than usual, isolated, less interested in things that they had been interested in, less engaged in activities, if they're talking about hurting themselves and suicide, We always say, always, we take that as a very serious red flag. I know sometimes there's a little bit of conversation around maybe they were just trying to get attention. What I say to parents is teenagers need attention. If this is the way they're trying to get it, something's off. Let's find a better way for them to get attention. They can dye their hair purple. They can be the best in the class. There's lots of ways to get attention. But talking about hurting yourself is something that requires attention. So high conflict um, at home, definitely if there's been a significant peer breakup, best friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, those can feel devastating if that's the lifeline for a young person at that time. So that's the pay attention. The second step is... Don't be afraid to talk about suicide. Ask the tough question that we teach our seventh and eighth graders how to say, I'm worried Mm -hmm. about you. Are you thinking about hurting yourself? Right. The thing that happens then is suicide is no longer an isolated experience. And then we can move on to getting help Mm -hmm. and kind of hand in hand getting help.
0: And are you thinking about hurting yourself is not in any way suggestive, is it? It, It's exploratory and, and normalizing because so many young adults across all communities
1: Absolutely. Do
0: right. harm themselves, do engage in, in self-harm activities. I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was something like one in four young adults in New Mexico has engaged in self-harm. And uh, I can't remember the exact statistic, but the, an extraordinary number who have considered dying by suicide or have even got to the point of creating a plan but never implemented it.
1: Absolutely. So one of the things that we know is if somebody talks to them out loud direct honest about suicide that young person now knows that you know their language and you're not afraid to talk about this tough topic. And we really see that as the beginning of sort of opening up the isolation that puts suicide at such a vulnerable place for young folks and making the connect in the beginning to make the connection. Now that is tough. You know, we talk to parents every night now your child has been talking about suicide. Your child has made an attempt. Your child is really depressed. We want you to check in on them, much like you might take their temperature if they oh. had the flu. You would check in. Oh, you still have a temperature. This is quite serious. We teach dads and moms to say, I want to check in with you today. Are you thinking about hurting yourself? And pulling those kids in very, very close until, if you will, the fever's gone, the temperature's down. Right. Kids can reassure parents, I'm okay, I'm safe. I've got a, pl- I got a good plan to keep myself healthy.
0: So then, I mean, this is so helpful to hear you identify this and to, and, to, and to encourage us all again to to normalize that conversation because so much, again, from my own experience as a teenager, that sense of shame, yes. that sense of guilt, I shouldn't be feeling depressed but I am and so it creates a self-isolating bubble that had I been able to talk to peers the fact that I was able to talk to a teacher who was able to hear it and go let's 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 focus in another direction was extremely important but but training us all to be able to talk about this takes that stigma away doesn't it it takes the shame away yes and says it's it's okay to feel bad it's okay to be struggling. How do we respond to that?
1: Yes, yes. And this is a family affair. Right. I, you know, I, I, you know, if a child is sick with the flu or at home in bed, somebody is providing some soup or tea or something in the best of situations. And we really try to make um, suicide a family affair so that we can work towards prevention.
0: So what should parents or teachers or friends, or faith leaders do if they are concerned? If they've got to a point of, of they've, they've been paying attention, they've mm-hmm. been talking about this, now they're concerned. Yes. What do they do?
1: And they've, uh, and they've said to the child, I'm concerned. Yes. I'm worried about you. And then let's get some help together. And the one thing that we always do is notify parents. Now, every kid is going to say, please don't tell my please dad. Don't. He's going to be mad and i you know it is a parent first and a professional i can say no he's going to be unimaginably sad if anything happens yeah. he might be mad for a moment but knowing that you're getting help and that he can be a part of that help so we talk to you know if if it's a school teacher uncovering this mm-hmm. encouraging call the family home bring the people together basically bring the arms around that child faith leaders call parents this is not something that will benefit by keeping private. It is not a benefit in any way. And we say to 7th and 8th graders, you'd rather have a mad friend than a dead friend. And that is something that little kind of sticks with them. They talk about that a lot. Our Natural Helpers Peer Helping Peer Program, they are sort of the eyes and ears of our middle school and we're teaching them how to go to trusted adults right. the school counselor or the athletic director or the coach whoever they feel like would be a good person to connect that young person with
0: i mean i i totally understand a, a young person being concerned about how their parent would feel if they knew they were suicidal but having known parents of children who of young people who died by suicide yes knowing the I mean, it's, it's the worst thing. Absolutely. And, um, and and that is always, that's always a a much worse option, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So we've got about four or five minutes left. Clearly there are enormous mental health challenges in New Mexico. Um, clearly People are more disconnected now as well. So there are fewer resources and there's greater need. What do you need? What do young people need from us? What do you need from our community? What does the Sky Center need from Santa Fe?
1: A couple of things. One is, you know, we um, are... 100% 100% grant an individual donation base so that we can keep our door wide open. We don't have to ask about insurance, citizenship, anything. We just basically, our goal is if mom calls up at 2 o'clock, can you come in this evening is our best response. And we want to make the entry into the Sky Center because we know if you're a parent or a friend or a faith leader and you're that worried, you can't get any more complicated than that. we got to make it easy after that. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Of course, we need money. We need financial support. We need donations so that we can expand the door because we are seeing more young people than we've ever. We're not calling it the wave, the mental health wave. It's a tsunami at the Sky Center right now in terms of the issues um, that—and for folks, parents, faith leaders to look at our website, learn the kind of four steps if you're worried. Trust yourself. The other thing I think that we're all kind of challenged with right now is how do we generate hope?
0: Mm.
1: Because hope is a very essential piece for young people to be able to peek around the corner and know that something good is waiting for them, whether it's high school graduation or, you know, a, a dream job or higher education. So I think that we have a personal responsibility in these times to figure out what and how do we generate hope in our classrooms in our families in all kinds of settings because hope is 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 essential
0: it's fascinating that you mentioned that because just recently i was having a conversation with someone about climate grief yes and and a generation of people who are losing hope in the long term f- Um, existence of humanity and therefore are finding themselves much more isolated and depressed But, but the importance of being able to say okay but that potentially possibly is still a long way off there can still be good things tomorrow There can still be good things next month you can still graduate you can still as you say find your dream job we can have individual hope even in a larger context of hopelessness, which some people are experiencing. Absolutely. So I, I wonder if in, in our last minute, if you can just, just, just talk a little more about that. What is that hope? What is that thing that someone can hold on to?
1: What, um, and I want to tell you a little bit about some exercises that people Please. can do, you know, in youth groups, in classrooms. You know, we start our school groups with, tell us something you're hopeful about. Um, Take three minutes of silence and talk to your future self. What is he or she saying to you? You know, just little exercises. Of course, at home, you know, doing gratitude around the dinner table. Um, We talk a lot about onion and roses or highs and lows. Can the family go around and what's the high point of the day? What was the low point? But at least balancing out some of what we're all kind of overwhelmed with, which is bad news, Difficult news, challenging information. How can we generate some good news through gratitude, through a whole bunch of these kind of exercises that families can do, school teachers can do, youth group leaders could do to generate hope?
0: Thank you so much. Can you once again share the phone number? Share it twice so people can write it down.
1: 505-473-6191. Again, that's 505-473-6191, and theskycenter.org is the website with lots of information about our programs as well.
0: Thank you. April Miller, you do extraordinary work. Thank you. Thank you to April Miller, the founding and current executive director of the Sky Center of New Mexico Suicide Intervention Project. If you've been touched, affected by this show, please do reach out. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks time, keep searching.